Hey, I'm Steffi. And this is Rahul. And welcome to the TCGMC 40th Anniversary Podcast. Today we have with us Adam Moore and Dr. Gerald Gers. All right, guys. So um, let's do a quick, quick round of introduction. Let's, let's start with you, Adam. All right. Hi, everybody. I am Adam Moore, and uh, I grew up in a suburb of the Twin Cities in Lakeville, Minnesota. And I have been with the chorus for uh, almost four years. All right, Dr. Grass. Uh, I'm Gerald Gers. I grew up in Emporia, Kansas, which if you get on Highway 35 South and go for nine hours, you will run into Emporia. You'll know the smell because there's a meatpacking plant there. Anyway, so um, I've been with Twin City Gaiman's Chorus for one season and one concert, non-COVID, and two virtual experiences, COVIDly. So two years, and um, I moved here from Charlotte, North Carolina, where I lived there for 10 years, directing one voice chorus there, which is a mixed chorus. Um, if you know what mixed chorus means, that means it's a co-ed chorus, so to speak. Right on. Thanks, guys. So let's talk about how you found the Twin Cities Gay Men's Chorus and why you joined, or for Gerald, it'll be a little bit different. Um, Adam, let's start with you. Tell us your story about how you ended up with the chorus. Yeah, so my very theatrical. I went to school. Uh, after high school, I did go to Mankato, Minnesota State Mankato University, and I studied theater as an actor. And um, my first gig when I moved up to the cities was in Bloomington at their Bloomington Performing Arts Center. And back then it was just called the Bloomington Performing Arts Center. Um, and now it's called Artistry. Uh, it's very fancy. But uh, they did really great productions. They, they drew in lots of great crowds and I, I got my foot in there and uh, I got cast in one of their main stage productions and it was the Music Man. And one of the gentlemen who was in the barbershop quartet of the Music Man was a gentleman by the name of Nathan Croner. And uh, Nathan Croner was a member of TCGMC for quite a, quite a while. And, um, he and his husband Xander now live out east on the east coast, but um, we became really good friends and uh, throughout the few shows that we did together, he uh, talked to me about his experiences with TCCMC and um, always kind of encouraged me or, or at least just kind of, you know, was informing me about the group and that it, of its existence and that it would be a great group to be a part of. And, um, and I was busy being like, I'm gonna be a professional actor in the cities and be famous and everything. And so I was like, I don't know if I need that right now. <laughs> and then uh, later on, then it was maybe four or five years later that I decided that I really needed to find um, a queer community for myself. And Nathan was actually still in the chorus this year that I joined four years ago. And so I decided to audition. And I, that's how I found the organization. That's a great story. <laughs> um, Gerald, why don't you tell us two things? One, tell us a little bit about your career path and how you ended up here. And then two, we would love for you to share with us what an artistic director does. Let's start off with my career path. It started off um, 
with an undergrad degree in voice performance. I wanted to be an opera singer. I fell in love with opera so, so badly. Um, but especially really heavy operas. Um, and by heavy, I mean composers who write in really big styles so that like voices that need to be huge to sing this music, not even like very big, but bigger than that. I fell in love with like Tchaikovsky opera and Samuel Barber opera. And I wanted to sing that. And my white voice teacher, she said, you're like a Bach and Mozart singer. You won't ever sing that. <laughs> Dang it. So, but I wanted to, and so I went to get a master's degree in voice. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll sing the Mozart stuff. It's fluffy and pretty. So get to a master's degree, and I was just, and my master's, I went to a very, very huge school, well, huge, bigger than when I went to Emporia State. It was like 40,000 students, I think, or 25,000, and then um, the University of Ohio. And it was just, it became very catty and competitive place to be. And I'm, the theater world's like that too. So I know, Adam, you know a little bit about that. And yes. for all the reasons that I ever got involved in music, music became none. It became about cutting people down and, and talking behind backs. And, and it was just so cutthroat. I thought, this is not at all why I ever got involved in music. I don't want to do this anymore. I'll go choral conducting instead, because that's more about community and less about the self. And so... Um, they kind of designed a cognate track for me to do my thesis on Morton Lordson, and I got to meet him. And then I left and went back to Kansas and taught in the Catholic school system for a couple of years, which was crazy because I'm not Catholic. And a uh, very small town, Leavenworth, Kansas, where all the prisons are, of course. Um, we have five prisons there, it's crazy. Um, and so then um, I got a job in Charlotte, North Carolina um, for $9,000 and no benefits. I moved across the country to pursue a dream. This is very much like an actor, isn't it, Adam? For $9,000. I'm like, let's go. So I drove my Dodge Caliber, whose name is Butchie, um, across the country with my best friend Randy with everything that would fit in that caliber. And that was it. It was basically closed and a keyboard through the middle of the vehicle that landed in the front seat. But um, so we got to Charlotte and we stayed there for, um, I don't know, 10 years. I just loved it. I fell in love with making music with people with a passion for social justice. And every Tuesday, you just knew that was home. And when you left, it was a little bit of a downer. I didn't want like we would go out for beers afterwards. Because for me, that was continuing that feeling of home and community like, no, don't go. Let's get let's grab a beer or something, you know. And then um, you would be kind of like yearning for next Tuesday again. I love that. Um, and while I was in Charlotte, I got my doctorate degree at the University of South Carolina. So at one point, I was driving an hour and a half each way every day back and forth between Columbia and Charlotte, doing full-time graduate work, teaching part-time music theory afforded my stipend. I started, because I needed more things to do, I started the Gay Men's Chorus of Columbia, which is called the Midlands Men's Chorus, and doing two ensembles in Charlotte. It was a little crazy, you know, people just didn't see me. Um, and then when I graduated, um, I was looking for obviously a little bit bigger of a job, more professional things, time to be an adult. When it was time to find a big boy job, quote unquote, um, I was looking around and I really wanted to stay in gala courses so badly. And the two gala courses that were bigger were open were Atlanta and Twin Cities. I really wanted to apply for the Atlanta job because it would help me stay in the South near my chosen family. But I don't know what happened. It just was not the job it used to be. Anyway, so um, Twin City Gaiman's course was exciting because I had actually applied for that job in 2014 or 15, whenever Dr. Stan Hill left. 
And um, I did not get it, but uh, my friend Ben Riggs did. So, you know, it just wasn't meant to be at the time. And actually, Dr. Stan Hill was the first, was one of the first other gala directors I met when I started going to gala conferences as a director in Charlotte. And he and I had about three Stan Hattons and talked for hours. It was wonderful. I loved it. Wait, what's a Stan Hatton? It's a Manhattan, but it's really strong. And has has <laughs> in it. But anyway, so uh, I had long been at Gala Festival and seen Twin City Gaiman's course perform. And I, I just knew that musically, as far as like an artistic product, it was one of the higher echelon of Gala courses, that, you know, community courses, Gaiman's courses. And I thought, wow, what an opportunity to direct such a group that has a passion for not just entertaining and not for just for social justice, but actually cares about singing well. And that's sometimes in the whole choral world, not just Gala courses, it's really hard to find that balance of all those things. And so I just thought, wow, if this were to come true, it would be an amazing opportunity. And then it did. And I thought, oh my God, what are we really going to do now? Um, and my life took a crazy turn because I graduated with my doctorate degree. I got a job with Twin City Games Chorus. On the night I auditioned for the job, my now husband proposed to me that night. And so then all of a sudden, like, we're going to move back across the country, but even further north, God bless. And, you know, the husband's going to come, all these things. It was crazy. And so anyway, so that's where we are today. And that's how I got here. And you asked another question, too. Yeah, just real quickly, what, what does an artistic director do? Oh, yeah, what is an artistic I don't even know. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, so, so our people think artistic directors just pick out music and they conduct. And it's funny, I've been asked now to give a couple different lectures for music education students at a couple of universities. And one question that is, always gets asked, and I know why they ask it, is if you can tell these students something that they won't know until they get out in the real world, what will it be? Well, I mean, that list is huge. So in music school, they teach you the theory and the history, and they teach you how to wave your arms and, and all the things. But that probably is like 10% of what you actually do. So one of the things is sometimes you help with grant writing, and sometimes you help with um, PR and, and with cultivating donors and um, coming up with new ideas. Some artistic directors like me are also composers, and they write music. Um, it's an endless day of email, um, for sure. Um, it's important, like, making community connections and, and talking with your colleagues, because I'm always programming out in my head two seasons ahead, and so that cycle needs to always be working. Um, there's, that, there's also just um, general, what I'll call shepherding of the chorus. I feel like it's a part of the job is to create that family and that community in a really sincere, genuine way. And if you don't want to do that, you shouldn't be an artistic director. Great. So, um, Adam, you've been with the chorus for, for about four years now. Yeah. Do you have a absolute most memorable performance or, or a concert or one single song that you did with the chorus that you'd like to share with us? Um, that's a really great question because I have different answers personally and that I have a different answer personally and then I have a different answer like chorally and like group wise like I think personally my and maybe somewhat selfishly my favorite performance was last year when I got to perform one of my favorite numbers by my favorite divas Barbra Streisand don't run in my parade on stage in drag in front of the Twin Cities 
on this great stage in front of this amazing chorus. And that was personally probably my favorite moment. But on the other hand, I will say chorally and like communitively, um, I would probably say our retreat, our last retreat in Duluth, um, what made the Duluth retreat a really special time and moment for me in my career with TCGMC was that outreach performance. Was there a particular song in that performance that um, you enjoyed singing the most or you felt like connected with people the most? That's a really good question. Like, I'm trying to even think of songs that we sang and it's just, I'm, my mind is blank. And, and I think maybe because I don't remember a specific song, it was mostly like the community that was there in the audience and the people that, uh, that we exposed ourselves to um, and we were visible to. Did you feel like they weren't people who would usually come out for a, a Twin Cities Gay Men's Chorus concert? Yeah, yeah. I mean, besides the fact that we were, you know, two plus hours away from where we perform regularly. Mm -hmm. um, Adam, you, um, Gary was talking about doing different things. You are a pretty, I think, is it fair to say you're a pretty political person? Yeah. Okay. All right. So you're a pretty <laughs> political person. You have a lot of interests in social justice work and stuff like that. Um, what issues would you like to see the chorus address in uh, the coming seasons? The, the, well, the issues are vast in society, obviously. Um, and so I think that we have to navigate um, our own certain path and, and what we decide to highlight and what we, you know, decide to fight for because we are, like Gerald said, we are 180 men and or people, I need to say, we are 180 strong, but we are also 180 totally different people with totally different paths and totally different ideas of what uh, needs to happen with social justice. Like, are we gonna sing um, to raise the voices of the unsheltered in Minneapolis, the homeless people who just had their homes ripped away from the police yesterday? Are we gonna sing, you know, to raise the voices of the trans women, the trans black women who are being killed across America. Are we gonna, you know, raise the voices of, uh, it's countless. It's like, I don't know, where, where do we focus? Where do we specifically use our voice? Because there are so many who need our voice and we are 180 people strong. Um, so we do have it. It's wonderful. Two falls ago, I sat, because Gala was coming up, and I sat down people in an open town home forum, one in St. Paul and one in Minneapolis, and I said, what's important to you? What do you want to sing about? Um, because while I realize that I, I drive the bus, <laughs> um, my job to drive the bus is to make sure that that bus is a place where people want to ride. And um, it's, I want to make it, sure that we're singing about issues that are matter the matter of the chorus. But one of um, I also work for a church part time and um, director of chancel choir. It's a really cool, liberal, welcoming Methodist church. And the pastor there preached one Sunday on a topic he called compassion exhaustion. And I totally resonated with it because sometimes, oh my God, I'm worried about climate change. I'm worried about COVID. I'm worried about the LGBTQ people in Russia. I'm worried about people of color in the United States. And I'm worried about the climate and I'm worried about trans black, you know, and all the things. And there's only so many things that I can personally own 
and worry about without becoming a basket case, like any other human being, right? So how do you discern what's important? Because literally, you can't sing about all the things in one concert because that would create um, emotional exhaustion for the listeners and the singers. So yeah, there's our job is not ending anytime soon. But yeah, like this season, we're going to be partnering with some local high school students to create a virtual choir piece to um, honor the life of George Floyd. And I think that that's really cool because we'll be creating these dialogues with kids in their classroom, not only about why Black Lives Matter, but also why are we singing with the game in scores? <laughs> you know, like, well, and then hopefully there, I'm working with a couple people to develop a little curriculum for that conversation to lead that into the intersection of LGBTQ lives and Black lives. And well, and I think part of the challenge, like, with the challenge of the chorus is dealing with that um, that ever-changing landscape of our society and the, the things that do need attention because every single day there is something else that needs a platform and and, and maybe we can choose a certain couple of things but we, we, we definitely can't choose all of them uh, and speak on all of them but we can highlight some but I think what you're talking about is intersectionality and I think every social every social justice group and I think we are we should be considered a social justice group is dealing with that and the intersectionality of the members the intersectionality of the community um I should have been that's what I meant like how do I sing to that intersectionality right like to make that obvious sometimes it's hard because there's not a repertoire that is like I can't find a song about homeless, trans women, youth, you know what I mean? Like all those intersectionalities, sometimes there's not a song that speaks specifically to what you need. So you have to try to put it in context. And, and that's when we tell our story sometimes in spoken word that really connects the music to what we're trying to say. And it can be very helpful. Um, so here's one question we like to ask all of our guests. What is something about you that either no one would guess or that would surprise everyone? to know about you? Oh, Lord. Um, let me see. <laughs> I'll give you a serious and a silly. So a right. silly one is that I love raw oysters. Like oysters on the half shell, I love it. So if any of you out there are listening and you're like, gosh, I'd really like to hang out with Gerald. wonder where you'd like to go, somewhere where they have raw oysters. All right. Um, <laughs> I know, but I like them, so be nice. Um, <laughs> I also feel like something that's serious that maybe not a lot of people know about me or wouldn't guess is that I actually have an anxiety disorder. So um, it, it all leads back to the dumb gay church, you know, combat in your head. I know that's where it comes from, but still, it's something I struggle with, like panic attacks every now and then. And so that adds more to the introversion of like, oh, man, I gotta talk to this person, you know. And so at the end of a rehearsal, like for me that just getting on my phone and playing some stupid mindless phone game, <laughs> like takes all that away. Yeah, but I enjoy it though. It's like a roller coaster ride because it's so hard to be that extroverted for the three hours you're there. You're done and you felt like you just rolled a roller coaster and rode one in. You're like, I want to do it again. Let's ride it again. You know, next Tuesday comes around and guess what? You get to do it again. Okay, Mr. Adam. I've got it. I've got okay. it. Are you okay. ready? Yeah. It's a silly thing, but um, something that a lot of people don't know about me is that um, 
my name, Adam Bradley, I was named after an airplane. My dad is, was a flight mechanic, and when we were in Arizona, he worked at a really small airport uh, called Elsinore, and all the pilots named their airplanes, and they would paint the names on the sides of their airplanes. And when I was born, I interrupted spaghetti dinner, and um, my dad was at work, and he was called to the hospital, and they, they came, and they, my parents had not picked a name for me, and my dad's favorite airplane at the airport was Adam Bradley. And oh. so Adam Bradley after my dad's favorite airplane. <laughs> that is, an, I love that story. Isn't that crazy? That is, that is so great. <laughs> and now, Omanum Mysterium by Morton Lauridson.
Well, I just want to thank y'all. Um, I think if our listeners um, didn't already know, you were both amazing and interesting people. And it was a, very much a pleasure to have you on yes, the podcast today. I love this. I think this is great. Yay. Awesome. That concludes this podcast. You heard Omanium Mysterium, music by Morton Lauritsen. Recorded in live performance at the Ted Mann Concert Hall, December 2019, by the Twin Cities Gay Men's Chorus Chamber Choir, under the baton of Dr. Gerald Gerse, Artistic Director. For more information, please go to tcgmc.org podcast. We also invite you to support our mission with a gift at tcgmc.org donate. Thank you for joining us.